How can we make the world better? By making ourselves better. The Dr. Joe Show explores how you can make positive personal change by using his groundbreaking and highly effective I Am approach to understand who we are and why we do what we do. Your small changes can have big effects. Join us now for the Dr. Joe Show with Mark Stiles of Stiles Law and your host, Dr. Joe Schrand. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dr. Joe Show. Very nice. Thank you. Yeah, it's really great, you know, because... Really? You only, you, you made this your own. The Dr. Joe Show. I mean, nobody does it like you, Mark. I mean, people have tried. They have. They have tried, and they just can't do it. Well, it takes skill, practice... Except I don't practice. Uh, I would not believe that. You know, I can only imagine what things would be like if you did. But, you know, that's what's really nice about this show is people need to know we don't practice anything, mm. nothing. We have, some, you know, sort of an outline every now and then. But for the most part, we are just... Winging it. Winging it, improvising, just being spontaneous, just thinking out loud. Yeah. Which this one's going to be cool, though. This is going to be very interesting. So we're we're continuing our theme of parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we spoke in general about parenting, Mark and I, about being parents, and we had Ed Jacobs in uh, last week. Guys, listened to that one on Aces, adverse childhood experiences, what happens when things can be a little bit more traumatic in the home. And tonight, we're going to be talking about being a dad. Being a cool dad. Being a cool dad, surviving father. You know a lot about being a cool dad. Don't so you? do you, don't you? Well, sometimes I'm not sure if I'm a cool dad. No, I do my best to be cool, but sometimes cool is not part of the part of the equation. You Why know? would you ever think that you weren't a I'm just kidding. cool dad? You know, Very I, cool I, dad, right, I, Timmy? I, well, Timmy, I, I mean, in. on occasion, I have children who don't think I'm a cool dad, but. But that's gone away. You know, what, what we're going to do is we're going to be talking about the I am of fathering. And you know what? I, I think usually we, we just sort of riff for a bit. But we have a caller. Yeah. We have, he's calling in. He's on the Who phone. Who is this guy? He's, he is from Los Angeles, so it is earlier there, which is always fascinating to me. And, yeah, and we, have, we have the host of... How do you say it? That Larry Show. Yeah, Larry, you're on the air. Come on in, Larry. Good evening, gentlemen. It is so... Now, Larry, can you just do this so that I don't butcher it? Your last name? It's Blydner. Blydner. There we go. Not that tough. No, I was sorry. <laughs> but you know, it could be Bledner, Bledner. Oh, you know what I mean? I it could be I, so I many things. People just call me Wagner, and I go, yeah, okay, I'll take that. Good Wagner. Job. I love it. Welcome, yeah. Larry. Welcome to the show. We're, we're so glad you're here. I, Thank uh, you for having me. It's great to be here. And I'm, I just heard the weather report out there. You guys are in the middle of some kind of a hurricane, 90-mile-hour winds and freezing cold. And, oh, God. Yeah. It sounds brutal. Yeah, and how's it in L.A.? Uh, same as it always is, 72 and sunny. <laughs> have, the fi- have the fire stopped? <laughs> they have. I'm very glad to say it was pretty brutal about a week ago. The smoke and soot were were uh, throat choking, but uh, wow. they're, they're pretty much contained and down now. So glad you, about that. Were you were close to close to all of that? Uh, but uh, well, this time maybe eight nine miles away. Oh, so wow. when the wind's right, it was it was it was pretty unpleasant. Scary, yeah. scary stuff. So. Yeah. T- <laughs> Tonight we're going to shift gears. We're talking about being a dad. 
And you have written a remarkable book, Mac Daddy. How did you come up with the title? Want to give us the whole title, Larry? Sure. The, the uh, full title is uh, Mac Daddy Mastering Fatherhood Without Losing Your Style, Your Cool, or Your Mind. And uh, I'd like to say that it was my idea, but it wasn't. It was actually my, my editor came up with that title, um, and uh, I'm very glad he did. And it was actually, the book was a, was a sequel to one I did previously with my, uh, with my wife called I'll Never Have Sex With You Again, <laughs> Tales from the Delivery Room. Yes. That did, that did rather well, so uh, they called me and said, would you like to do something uh, a little more uh, further along in the parenting chain, you know, maybe from like uh, birth to school age and from the, from the dad's perspective. So, so I did. It was a lot of fun. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. We're talking about yeah. dad's perspective. So, you know, what's interesting to me is that as a dad myself, I, I, I think we don't usually get a chance to talk about this stuff. No. You know, we really don't. No. Now, now we got three dads right here in the room. <laughs> yeah. Let's uh let's go there. Let's yeah. go there. So how do you start the book? Well, the book the, the sort of the, the, the impetus for the book from my perspective is that in, you know, in in pretty much in America and I think it's mostly fueled, fueled by Hollywood, uh, the the notion is that the moment a guy becomes a father, he loses 50 IQ points and gains 50 pounds and just becomes kind of a stooge. Uh, I mean, if you look at basically the the, uh, the depiction of fathers, uh, by and large, in television and, and, uh, and film, is horrific. You know, they're buffoons. Mom is always slim and trim and has the, the high-paying job and the, the quips like some some uh, Vegas comic. And Dad's just this, this glom that kind of sits on the couch and clicks the the, uh, the remote unit for the TV while she's, you know, making it all happen. And, you know, that's, that's just not the case. So, uh... So that was sort of the, the springboard for it, and the idea being that, hey, you know what, um, you know, my dad was a pretty cool guy, and I know lots of dads, um, and they're all, they're all good, you know, productive dudes. Uh, let's, let's, let's take a look at this from the other side. And so that's, that's what we did, and always sort of with an eye toward entertaining, keeping it, keeping it light and fun, which we did. So, Larry, why, why has Hollywood depicted us that way? I think that um, uh, I think that probably there's a there's a far uh, you know there's a lot of factors that would go into it. Um, one is there's probably a, a much higher incidence, uh, I would say, in the Hollywood community of people who are from uh, let's call it uh, damaged uh, households, and so that would certainly yeah. color and shade their uh, their view. Of fathers, uh, plus there was it became I guess probably in you know, it wasn't all, always that way. And if you, if it, I mean I don't think anybody uh, had threw any rocks at uh, Ozzy of Ozzy and Harriet or you know those shows from the fifties and sixties, right. but somewhere around I guess in the seventies, Archie Bunker uh, sort of turned the tide and mm -hmm. Dad became a buffoon, and then it was Katie Bar the door with the exception of I guess Cosby, but then I guess we really found out how he turned it out. Right. Yeah, yeah, we <laughs> so, can't really talk <laughs> about him anymore. Oh, uh, so go, no, no, I'm just kidding. Go on, go on. <laughs> Dr. Huxtable, you know, but after that, I mean, it was, it was, it's, it, they were goons, you know, the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the Simpson, Homer Simpson and so forth. Right. And, uh, so, um, so I think that's, that's part of it. Um, and, and it became sort of trendy to, there was a target, uh, that was easy to, to assault and to ridicule. Um, 
and dads never really kind of hit back because right. I kind of guess that's not their job. Um, so this sort of said, you know, just because you're becoming a dad doesn't mean you have to be one of those guys. You can still be who you are. Uh, and, you know, as, as, as anybody knows, I'm sure as you dudes know, it's the best possible thing that could ever happen to you. There is no job that comes close to being a father. It's the greatest job on earth. I couldn't agree right. more. Right. It's the, the most grounding experience yeah. ever was yeah. um, when Sophie was born and then Jason and then Galen and then Becca. And it's just like absolutely the coolest thing ever. Um, it is. And... And that's part of what we, we're trying to celebrate as well is, is you know, fathering, being a parent, yes. being somebody that, that helps our kids remember how cool they are. Right. Because you know? that's really the right. main goal. So, so it is a very interesting thing that, that we have gotten into this um, sort of conundrum where dads were sort of dismissed in many Goons. ways. I mean, he called it. Sure. <clears throat> Goons. Yeah. They... Uh, you know, the black socks and sneakers and, you know, shorts and just walking around, just taking taking abuse from everybody. Right. Walking, sure. walking on the beach. Was it, was it, when you say it was the 70s, was there something uh, with the women's lib coming into, uh, coming into play there where... I'm, I'm sure that was a factor. Um, you know, if you think about the entire schedule of the, the original Lifetime Network was... You know, dad's, dad is an abusive uh, alcoholic. Let's get a restraining order on him. I mean, that's all they cranked out for years on end was movies with that theme. Right. Um, so I guess it was pretty profitable for them. And they've, they've never really let up. I mean, right through uh, Al Bundy. And if you, it's, it's, you'd be very hard put to sort through any film or television schedule and find a dad that's a stand-up guy that's somebody you would respect. Really. Difficult. Well, there, there, there is now. I mean, like uh, Madam Secretary, you know, the mm -hmm. dad in Madam Secretary is pretty cool, but but his none, wife, none in his the wife is the Secretary of State, so he's still sort of okay. relegated to uh, this position where he's a really cool. But uh, zero sitcoms since the seventies and eighties. Was there a, a cool dad? A cool dad. Yeah. You know, you're right. They are always yeah. the doormat. That Always. everybody just pokes the fun at and ha 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 ha. Well, oh, yeah. dad's yeah, dad's being dad again. There he is. <laughs> there he is. Being dopey. It's funny. Yeah. It's it it's you know I've had this conversation with people before. It's 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 amazing to me how they've depicted us that way because it, it is so far from reality. I mean, I, I guess sitting here in this seat, I can say that. But I guess society does kind of throw you into that. Well. Y you didn't give birth to the kid. You're right. just kind of there to carry the bag. Right. I mean, there there was, you know, Cosby, even though he's, you know, <laughs> not someone we can really talk about as much these well, we'll days. We'll talk about Dr. Huxtable. No, but right. But you remember one of one of the lines that, that he had in one of his stand-ups was talking, you know, about his wife giving birth and in labor, and, and she's in pain, and, and he says, what does it feel like? And he said, and so she took my lower lip and pulled it over my forehead. You know, I mean, you know, only imagine. And, and we, yeah. and, you know, we've all been there with our wives uh, when they are 
in labor, and, and you, you know, you wrote that, uh, that other book about it, Larry, which um, yes, h- hilarious idea, and absolutely. But the accent on it really wasn't so much how to be a cool dad, but how to be a good dad and remain true to yourself and raise the best possible kid you have. Because, you know, if you look at it, I mean, parenting books are over, well, probably 90% written from the female perspective. Uh, And kids already have a mom. They don't need... Uh, an extra dad. Uh, they need, I'm sorry, a, a duplicate mom. Right. You know, a dad. The, the, the male influence is very important in the raising of a, of a kid of either sex, and um, so that's that's sort of where it was coming from. And and, and the strange thing is, the book was came out in uh, about 2006 or seven, I think. And now I'm doing this podcast, and I'm I'm amazed at how often I get emails from listeners who are just about to become dads or newer dads, asking me for advice and they're familiar with the book so it's sort of like the song goes on you know it's, it's kind of it's yeah. kind of cool and, and what and what i think the podcast w- that you did on your book was what like june 2017 or something that, that well that, what that was was that was a uh, that was a father's day episode okay and uh i did you know the i did i read a couple of excerpts from the book and it was uh, it was it was really it was a big hit it had a lot of downloads and a lot of uh um, a lot of um, a lot of positive feedback on that one, and then I guess that sort of launched it because you know somebody, somebody somewhere out there in internet land uh, nicknamed me America's Dad, <laughs> and uh, to some extent it's it's stuck, and I'm fine with that. You know I don't um, I don't want to be James Bond. I'd rather I'd rather be America's Dad. Sure, I'll take that. And so these guys are calling me uh, and writing to me pretty often, saying you know hey what do I do? How do I do this? In fact one one listener, I was so gratified by this. He was absolutely petrified. He'd been married two or three years. He was petrified of fatherhood, and he kept delaying and delaying and delaying. And finally, you know, the, I guess the the wife was throwing up her hands. And he listened to one of my my uh, my podcasts, and then shot me an email. And I answered his question, and he says, "You know, I don't know what was wrong with me." And uh, you know, nine months later, he's got a son. And he posted pictures of it on Facebook with uh, him, you know, with the book in the kid's hand. And what a, what a thrill. I mean, yeah. it just doesn't get any better than that. It just so, doesn't. Well, so what kind of questions do people ask you? I get questions. Well, a lot of it is, uh, you know, my audience is anywhere, if I'd say, from uh, early 20s to mid-40s primarily. And, uh, you know, people are delaying marrying uh, a lot later. So a lot of times the questions are, you know, is she the right one? Which, you know, that really, if you think about it, that should be the seminal question, shouldn't it? Uh, if we all chose wisely the first time, especially before ever fathering children, the world would be paradise. There isn't a pun in there, right? Seminal question? <laughs> no, no, but uh, I'll take it if you want yeah, to. No, it's, the, the unconscious yeah. is so powerful. I you know, can't help it. Um, yeah, it's, it's certainly you know, fertile ground. So. Sure. I mean, if you think, I mean, what, probably close to half of all marriages end in divorce, and mm-hmm. people do it so frequently, so often for the for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if people chose more wisely to begin with, and at least, you know, one of the most terrifying phrases you'll ever hear people say, I've, I've heard people say, and it just, it's, it's, it makes my head explode. You know, let's have a baby. It'll strength, strengthen our marriage. <clears throat> I'm yep. sorry. Wrong idea. Right. Don't do that. Right. Totally. But it still happens all the time. Yeah, doesn't it? It it certainly does. It certainly does. Yeah. And then you're stuck with 
a baby. Now you've got to really take care of another person, but your relationship is still being worked out. So, yeah, yeah not, not always the best strategy. No. So, so no. what do you love about being a dad? Everything. Um, even the tough stuff. You know, I, I'm very fortunate. I have two girls. And uh, they're just, uh, you know, they're the absolute center of my universe, and they have been since I laid eyes on them and cut the cord. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're just such, they're just so great, the two of them. I'm so blessed. Uh, you know, when they were, when they're, you know, one's in college now, the others just started high school. Mm -hmm. And when they were tots, I took them everywhere. You know, my wife used to say to me, put these kids down, they'll never learn to walk. You know, I just had them in my arms all the time. And uh, I, I, people would always say, oh, these are daughters. I said, no, they're my bodyguards, you know. Well, now they pretty much could be. <laughs> you know, they're big young girls and formidable. They've got their own lives and their own everything. And, gee, what a what a, an absolute, I mean, there's, there's nothing more fantastic than seeing this, this person uh, just come into their own and be who they are. It's such a thrill. Yeah. It, it, nothing compares. It's so true. One of the things that, you know, I like to, to say to parents is, it is much more rewarding to be amazed at who your child is than disappointed in who they are not. Because That's great. Because if we can yeah. just keep our eyes open, they will amaze us every time. Yeah, yeah. true. You know, they're, they're, they're still, you know, I, my, you know, I've got these four kids, and I think it has been the most gratifying experience watching them growing up being part of that, and then just seeing how they feel so safe and confident in developing who they are. And each yes. one is different because I really would like to think that, that as a dad, I've given them that model, that, you know what, I trust you, uh, and I, I believe in you. I believe yes. one, one of the things that, that we, we talk about on the Dr. Joe Show is this thing you know called the I Am Approach, the idea that everyone's doing the best they can with the potential to change in the very next second to another best I can. This is who I am because I matter. And that's what I believe we give our children is that belief that they matter, the honesty of it, and then that creates resilience in them so they can then manage all of these things in life. And yet we know that a society has an I am as well. So a society is influenced by their home domain, the social domain, the biological domain, the I see, how I see myself, how I think other people see me. And at some point in our society, what you're pointing out is that there was a movement to sort of not necessarily undermine dads, but to portray them in this way that you described, this sort of buffoon-like person. Mm -hmm. But I wonder if there's another side to it. And we were just talking about this off air, so I'm just talking about that. What if there was enough confidence in who dads really are that we can poke fun at ourselves this way? What about that? Well, I think I think always, you know, that's that's been the case. I think that uh, uh, you know you have to have a thick skin, whatever your role in life, um, and. You know, if you if you can't laugh at yourself, you know you're you're clearly a <laughs> a lesser person for it. But um, uh, I, I think probably you know in the media it went from poking fun to 
basically just denigrating yeah. and sidelining and marginalizing dads. You know, that's that seems to be the way it it, it has gone. You know, the, my book became a lightning rod. It was it was really interesting. I was shocked because I just wrote something to sort of try to help guys out uh, in in becoming new dads and raising their kids till about school age. Um, but I guess it's some people, you know, either they, nobody nobody felt neutral about it. People either loved it or hated it. And I got a lot of, uh, you know, very nasty stuff on Amazon and so forth. You, oh, you toxic male and this and that and so forth. Like, hey, okay, you know, that's what it is. But every everything was just written from the from that vantage point of how do you how do you raise the best possible kid? So it really shouldn't have been called Mac Daddy. It should have been called Mac Kid, I think, because that's what the emphasis was on, as it should be, you know. So, so what do you think, Mark? Well, so so give us some of the Cliff Note versions of the book, because you know I looked at the cover and I'm like, okay, this is this is going to be satirical to kind of play against these 80s and uh, 70s sitcom type of roles. You know, we got to be cool and we got to be, you know, ourselves and we got to do what we're going to do and, and, and still be a dad. But what, what does the book actually teach, if you will? Well, the book is sort of a, um, a, a handbook um, for, for the new dad. And a lot of guys do when they, when they, when they become fathers for the first time. Um, they can come unglued pretty easily. And so you have to you have to keep an eye, you know. It's like spinning plates, I guess. Uh, those old Ed Sullivan performers, you know, they have to uh, uh, keep an eye first and foremost on the kid, on the marriage, and on themselves. So it it, it approached uh, newer fatherhood from just about every angle, from from how to uh, uh, promote yourself at at your job, um, try to increase your income. Um, keeping yourself in shape. There's a segment in there on dieting, working out, um, putting together a nursery, cribs, uh, the stuff you need, the stuff you don't need, um, birthing classes, whether they're worth it or not. Um, and then, and then there was uh, sort of there was always a, a kind of a, a you know a fun side to it. Uh, there was a section on the different archetypes, stereotypes of dads. Uh, daddy distant, you know, the guy that just figures, hey, as long as I pay the rent and put food on the table, I'm good. No, it doesn't work that way. Lactating daddy, there's a lot of those guys out there who want to be mom. You know, they want to have flaps in their shirts so they can nurse. doesn't work that way. <laughs> Rubber stamp daddy, the daddies who just basically nod their head and do whatever mommy says should be done. Uh, Defure daddies, the guys that are, you know, my way or the highway, the authoritarians. And then, of course, Mac Daddy, who's the kind of well-balanced, uh, um, generous, loving guy that, that you want. That's who you want to be. So that was, that was basically it was kind of a soup-to-nuts guide in how to uh, handle the situation. Another potential pun. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was uh, impressed by those different archetypes and stereotypes it's wonderful so how how did you approach actually writing the book what'd you do you know um it, it really <clears throat> it wasn't that hard because by that time uh that i was writing this book my let's see my uh younger daughter was probably in i'm gonna say maybe first or second grade so it was it was born it was you know knowledge born of experience right. you know i'd made a lot of mistakes uh you know and really stupid stuff i mean uh uh i uh <laughs> 
instance, and I'm sure other guys did this. You know, when my wife was in the hospital, um, overnight, I had you know I was behind. I was working really hard, doing all kinds of things, and I realized, oh damn, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't, I didn't put the uh, the crib together. You know, so so I, so I spent about you know four hours from you know two to five a.m., six a.m., whatever, putting together this this crib uh, in the living room, and then I went to wheel it into the, uh, the my, my my new daughter's bedroom. Wouldn't fit through the door. Right. <laughs> Great, brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. You know, and, and I'm sure other guys did that. Doors tend to run pretty standard in size, and so do cribs, you know. Yeah. Um, so th that's what it was. It was just the mistakes I had made. I was very upfront about them and self-revelatory, and, and, and the knowledge I had picked up along the way as well, even just the stuff like you know, how to change a diaper best and how to rock them to sleep and right. what works, how to read them a story, you know. The, these were the things. Right. So... Isn't it amazing? There really are so many training manuals, but each one, you know, if there was one way to do it, there'd be one training manual, and there really isn't a training manual no. on this. So, Mark, are, you've, you've been a dad. You are a dad. Yeah. How have you retained your sanity? Yes. Well, it depends at what stage, right? So every stage has been just a little bit different, and we talked about this you know, uh, two weeks ago, not last week, but two weeks ago that, you know, you, you grow with the child, right? Mm -hmm. So, yes. um, you know, you become wiser, right? You, you, you learn through, through experience, but again, there's no manual, there's no license for this. So you're thrown into it and it's, uh, it's survive at your best and hopefully your values and what you've been raised and how you've been raised and, and, um, and what you think is important, you're gonna you're gonna deem as important and continue to, to utilize that in your in your raising of your children. But um, there's definitely a lot of outside factors that that look upon you that you feel you know f whether you're doing it the right way. Is there a right oh, yeah. way? Right. Mm -hmm. um, I wish I had seen your book back when my kids were first uh, infantile. Because uh, I would have, I would have enjoyed it. Looking at it, I thought it was, you know, more, more of how to be a cool dad. But it's really how to be a balanced, true to yourself dad. Then, huh? Yeah, yeah. Check him out. Yeah, check he's got some good stuff out there. And great podcasts as well, guys. I mean, I, I was listening to some as well, and it was wonderful when we'll, we'll hear his voice. But, but the humor, yeah. uh, and the perspective, you know, hope you don't mind. It, it sort of reminds me of Dave Barry in some ways. You know that. That humorous approach, and yet there's this pretty serious side to a lot of the stuff, especially part of what we're talking about now. Can I ask you, Larry? Sure. What about how is your dad an influence on the kind of dad you have become? Oh, he was massive. Um, my father was a wonderful guy. Um, left too soon, um, but uh, you know, while he was around, you know, he passed away. You know, um, when he was in his early sixties. you 
I, I am very blessed as well. Very similar upbringing as Larry, where you know it was family first. You know, dinner, dinner at five thirty every night. Yeah. Uh, he would would you know when at that time people didn't go to sports games as much. He would never miss a sports game, and I was the youngest of five. So he was he was very involved, and and the, his family was everything to him. So, and that's kind of what I'm trying to emulate as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm going to just spend a moment about my dad because I I love my dad. He also passed uh, in 1999, but it was different. He was a pediatrician, and I remember when I. When I was about to get married, uh, he and I were talking, and he said, look, medicine comes first. Medicine comes first, and I didn't agree with him. Uh, But that was how I I lived my life. I mean, I would be, you know, waiting at school to get picked up by my dad, and he wouldn't be there, and it was because he was taking care of somebody else's children. And And I determined early on as a kid that that was not the kind of dad I was going to be. Loved my dad, respected him. And, you know, he, he was an incredible pediatrician, an incredible human being. But in those days, he really believed that the physician role was to care for other people, even at the expense of your own family. And I swore I would never do that. And I started to do that in medical school. Um, my, my, my fiance, Carol had come out to Cincinnati with me and I was doing what my dad had said I should do. And I was studying medicine all the time. And she would come and say, come on, let's, let's go out for dinner. And I said, no, no, no. Medicine's the most important thing in my life. And, um, and that was my, I am at the time. That was my current maximum potential. And mm-hmm. then I took my first exam and I failed it cold. And I walked home from medical school. We had an apartment across the street. I lost my medical school ID because I knew I didn't deserve to be in medical school anymore. And I came in the door, and there was Carol, and she saw that I was defeated, and she gave me a hug. And I tell you, I knew at that point in time that no matter how hard I worked, medicine and my job, my profession would never give me a hug, but Carol would. Mm. And that absolutely changed everything. And it reminded me of what I had wanted to do. And that then became my passion, my mission, was my family was always going to come first. And because of that, I've been able to do all these things. And my kids know that, that they come first and Carol. But why I'm saying this is because I believe that no matter what your past is, no matter what your home domain is that influenced you, you get to choose the kind of influence that you want to be on people. You get to choose what your I am is. If you don't like the way you're doing things, you can use the I am as a roadmap to change. And you make a small change, it can have a big effect. That small change for me was when Carol gave me that hug and it had a huge effect. And I knew the kind of dad I always wanted to be. I wanted to be that dad that was there for my kids, that went to the games, that did all those things. And for the most part, I was. But every now and then, I couldn't because I really did have a psychiatric emergency. I really did have someone's life that needed to be saved. And because my kids knew that they came first, 
they could let me do that mm. and not feel that they were any less than or that they didn't matter. And I, I really believe, you know, that part of who we are as human beings is we have this ability to remind people of their value all the time. And that is absolutely the role of a dad. You were talking about respect before, Larry. That's, that's what we do for our kids. I believe that we respect them. We look again at why they do what they do without judging it. And believe me, my kids, you know, have done some things that they knew they couldn't tell me. And, I, and they knew they couldn't tell me. And as soon as they knew they couldn't tell me, they knew that that was something that they shouldn't have done. Because if you can't tell your parents something, unless it's like a secret birthday present. My birthday's coming right. up, kids, just in case you've forgotten that. I just want to hope that all my children are listening. Don't forget your dad's birthday. But sorry, did I say that? But, but that's, that's what we want them to do. We need to be there so that they can know they can be always honest with us. And how can they be honest with us if they can't trust us. Right. So isn't that like one of the major, major blessings of being a dad, Larry, is that, you know, we get kids and we help nurture them so that they believe in us as well? Oh, yeah. It's definitely a two-way street. And I think that, you know, we, we have to sort of... Uh, <laughs> pave the way or light the way initially, um, and I think maybe the most important thing is that kids know, they have to know, above all else, that mom and dad are there for them and behind them, no matter what. There has to be that foundation of you're there for them. And I still say that. I mean, you know, my daughter's away at college, but still, it's like, hey, you know what? You call me at 2 in the morning, I don't care, whenever, you know, and I'll, I'll be there, whatever you need. Um... She won't, but I think I think it. I think she should know that, and it works. It works both ways, and it, and I feel very blessed that you know if she is in some type of distress, whatever it is, she'll feel comfortable coming to me or her mom. You know, so yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the same in our family. You know, the, the, our kids know they can call at any time about anything to either anything. Carol or I, and we will always be there for them. It's. It's interesting. We, one of the things that sort of popped into my head as we were talking about earlier about this sort of denigration of the father image, um, I, I work a lot, you know, as a psychiatrist with single moms. Um, and they're seen a certain way and given support. Single dads are, like, really seen differently. And, oh, yeah. and they know it. And they know that they're being seen differently. And they... They sometimes feel uh, truly devalued as a single dad, you know, trying their best to do these things. But, but people don't have the same confidence in a single dad as they do in a single mom. I mean, I mean it's a huge, broad generalization. But I wonder... Well, I don't think so. Okay. I mean, I mean the, the legal system would bear out that generalization, mm. you know. Um, I have a friend who... Uh, he uh, he was divorced uh, shortly after his uh, son was born. I don't know the year the kid was a year or two old or whatever, and um, it went so far. You know, there was the usual custody thing, and this this uh, this back and forth is very typical. And then his ex-wife kidnapped his son and took him to Europe. Wow, wow. Okay, yeah, and she was she was apprehended by Interpol. It's like something out of a movie. Okay. <laughs> 
And this guy was, you know, the, the quintessential perfect father. Good job, hardworking, no drink, no drug, just, just, just a great guy. Back to the States, they give custody, full custody to mom again. Mm. Okay? So it's a cultural, it's a cultural bias. Okay? It's not just, you know, a feeling. It's real. It's real. And that's something that really has to be addressed in our culture. It really does. Right. To yeah. the point where when I remember uh, the one family law course that I took, you know, it was always the standard of what's the, in the best interest of the child. Yep. What right. is the best interest of the child? And it was always to be with the mom. Right. Yeah. And that's biological. And right? that that is biological. In, in large part, I, there was this... Um, this major evolutionary shift in the biological domain millions and millions and millions of years ago when we went from what's called external gestation to internal so because the mother is literally growing that baby inside her the mother can be sure it is her baby Mm. and the dad we'd like to be sure and for the most part we are but there's that tiny little bit that you're not sure and because of that, I think that that has perpetuated this idea that men, you know, can go from one person to another, and they're, you know, they may be good at siring babies, but that doesn't mean they're good fathers. Mm. They can they can impregnate this one, this one, this one, get one done, go to the next one, get one, go to the next one. But the, but the reality is, dads are monogamous too. I mean, we're pretty loyal people. Um, and I, again, have seen over and over these poor men who come into the clinics whose child has been either stripped from them or, or roadblocks put that, you know, you can't see them until this, 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 and this happens. And yeah. that is part of the stigma that we have against fathers. Um, God knows there, there are plenty of mothers out there who, you know, hate to say it, but there I am is not being really a good mother. Right. You know, so what do we do? We got this great book, Mac Daddy. <laughs> yeah, well, got to be. You know, there's a lot of great ones out there. That's just one of them. But uh, I think I think it's probably it's uh, you know it's it's so deeply ingrained in the culture. You know, it's woven into the legal system, as you've just said. Uh, I don't know where it sort of gets turned around. Um, it's, it's it's really it's a conundrum. Um, it's probably just steadily more positive stories coming out about fathers and people trying to alter their perceptions of them um, is probably the only way it's ever going to change. And it's going to be a slow change, I would imagine. And one of the things of the IM is small changes can have big effects. Because the four domains interconnect, the home, the social, the biological and the I see, how I see myself, how I think other people see me, they interconnect. So you make a small change, you can have a big effect. And maybe this is one of those small changes. Three dads who are saying, you know what, understand that there's been this this distortion of reality, but what do we want to do? What small change can we make to remind other dads that they can be who they want to be, that their I am is fine, and enjoy being a dad. Because people are still going to judge you. Unfortunately, sure. a lot of people will always judge. Right. But what we can say is, well, that's their I am. The best that person can do is judge me that 
I am not doing a good enough job as a dad or I don't have the qualifications to be a dad or the certification to be a dad or because you're a dad, you're not a mom and moms are better. Right. And I, listen, guys out there, believe me, it's not a contest. I'm not saying it's a contest. I'm not saying that. But the reality is we live in that world. And what do we want to do on both sides of the aisle, the mom side and the dad side, to bridge that gap and come together? We got to do it. When it's done right, it's a pure partnership. That's right. right. Sure. Sure. Well, this is this is stunning. What do we do? What kind of influence do you want to be, Larry? You know, one of the the second rule of the I am: you control no one, you influence right. everyone. You get to choose the kind of influence you want to be. What kind of influence? Well, I think uh, you know. I'm kind of I'm being that now. You know, my podcast has a fairly sizable listenership, and uh, you know, the message is you know a lot of fun, but at the same time. Um, sanity. <laughs> I think I think the world has never been more nuts than it is right now. And um, in you know, in my show, I I, I give a lot of dispense a lot of advice to people. Um, and at the same time, um, it's sort of a commentary on our crazy culture. I never really get overtly political, um, but there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of. Uh, We've lost our way in many ways as a, as a nation and as a culture, and um, so I'm, I think I'm trying to do my part to uh, reset true north. So if we've lost our way, I mean, let's just dig into this for a moment. Which way do you think we're heading? I mean, and I'm not saying we're going to judge it, but yeah, if we've lost our way, which way do you see us heading, Larry? Um, I, you know, I hate to, I don't like to be pessimistic, but, uh, you know, I, I see a, I see a nation that is incredibly divided and the, the amount of acrimony and, and hatred is just, it's mind blowing. And, uh, you know, you're the physician and I'm sure you have looked at a thousand infections, right? And they run their course and what usually happens, it builds to a point where, you know, the carbuncle breaks or the, 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 uh, you know, there has to be a lancing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't think we're quite at that point yet. And I don't know where it's going to be. Um, but I think there's, a, there's, there's something's going to happen um, that's going to sort of cause a huge reset in who we are and where we're going. And I don't know exactly what or when it's going to happen, but I think it seems it's headed that way. I just can't believe how divided and how, uh, how vitriolic our culture has become. It's frightening. But let's, let's, let's use your insight into the way fathers were portrayed. Yes. Um, as to how we can use that insight into seeing how things are being portrayed now. What, what I'm saying is that there's so much anger in the world right now. Mm-hmm. But anger is an emotion designed to change things. We get angry when we want somebody to do something different, start doing something or stop doing something. But being respected, when's the last time you got angry at someone treating you with respect? Right. Right, never. Because being respected feels great. But it's an I am. I want to know why are people so angry? And what do they want to see different? And how can we understand their anger so that they can communicate it? We can talk about it. Because otherwise... We're going to be these, these buffoon, 50-pound, overweight dads 
sitting on a couch, watching TV, and all these other people are going to be around us saying, you know, we're not going to include you in this decision because you're a buffoon. We have to be included in these decisions. So we need to be able to listen. And I think that's one of the things that dads do really well. Dads can listen to what kids are saying to them. They can talk with their kids, but they can't do that if they've already prejudged their kid. Mm. You know? Sure. Um, and, and I agree with you. I think we are at this, at this pivot point in our culture, but I take it one step further. I think we're at a pivot point in our evolution because we have a brain that can be limbic and aggressive and impulsive and emotional and never forget things because that's where memory lives. Right. But we also have a brain that can think things through and anticipate what will happen next. If I keep going this way, mm. what will happen next? And it ain't going to be good. <laughs> so we got to change. We got to do something. And dads, you know, have a role to play in that, just like moms have a role to play in that, just like children have a, play, a role to play in that. We can do it. But as a dad, Larry, what do you think, as a dad, we can do to move our society into a place where everybody feels like we really are one relatively happy family? What can we do? If there's one single thing, uh, I think it would be to... I, I think the reason we've lost our way is the death of truth. Yeah. And I think what you can do is impart the truth to your children. And I, you know, I got that a lot from my older daughter when she was when she was in her early teens. If I tell her something that was true, whatever it was, and no matter how nicely I packaged it and sugar coated it, she would frequently say, "Oh, that's mean." I say, "No, that's not mean. That's truth. Sometimes truth isn't what you want to hear, but that's what it is. That's to me as a dad. That's what we should be doing. Always truth." Yeah. So. Last minute, how do we find your book? How do we get your podcast? How do we listen to your show? Give us the website. Sure. The book, the book is, you know, it's on Amazon. Um, and my show is at thatlarryshow.com. And don't go, don't use the Larry Show or you'll find some dentist from Schenectady. Um, <laughs> Literary. Uh, very that, different show. That uh, it's thatlarryshow.com and it's everywhere. It's on, you know, Stitcher and iTunes and Player FM, you know, whatever service. It's, it's syndicated all over the world. And there's 250 uh, episodes there covering everything from doomsday scenarios to how to be a better dad to how to find true love, how to deal with toxic relatives. Uh, there's something in there for everyone. And we always try to keep it fun and light. It's terrific. Larry, thank you so much. And thank I just you. Thank a you. shout out thank to you, your daughters. Dr. Joe, and thank you, Mark. Daughters thank you, Larry. of Larry, you, are, you have an incredible dad. You do. All right. Uh, thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate Th it. Thanks, folks. Be well. Bye. Bye-bye. Show.